Conversations with Leaders is a podcast focused on the intersection of business and technology. In this episode, AWS Enterprise Strategist Jake Burns, AWS Director of Enterprise Strategy Mark Schwartz, and AWS Enterprise Finance Strategist Chris Hennessy discuss building a culture of trust in your workforce in the midst of disruption from economic downturns to digital transformation. One of the questions I love to talk to businesses when I engage with is, what is the catalyst for their change? Can you take advantage of maybe downturn to really galvanize and excite not only your workforce, but if you're a public company, your shareholders, or if you're a public, uh, a, a private company, your board, or if you're serving uh, you know, the mission? Uh, what's the mission if you're serving uh, those uh, in a nonprofit or a government sector? So uh, I, the catalysts are really important to consider and galvanize and ensure that you can clearly communicate that so everyone can get excited because I think that dovetails back to talent, which we talked about earlier, is if there's not a clear mission or not a clear focus, um, you are going to potentially lose talent um, to where organizations are clear around their vision, their mission, but also um, uh, maybe uh, organizations who are going through hard times because of the economy. Um, I know I, I see the LinkedIn notes. I know you all are both active on LinkedIn. When people have downturns, there's like a, a you know kind of people jumping all over the talent uh, of hey, if you're in this downturn, we'd love to have you <laughs> here. So I think that element for talent and the ability to focus on getting that resource in your organization really take advantage of these downturns in all degrees, uh, not only financially but also through talent, because uh, I just see it almost every day with organizations going through challenging times. Yeah, and uh, I would, I would say that. Um, maybe the most common thing I hear from companies that I meet with um, when, they, when they feel stuck in a digital transformation, they say something like, you know, we've been trying to transform for years where we really think it's important, uh, but nothing seems to be happening, right? I, in one form or another, I get that in quite a lot of meetings. And some of it is uh, there isn't that catalyst. You know, there, there's no sense of urgency. And unless there's something that's creating a sense of urgency, well, everybody in their company is busy with other things. You don't hire people to sit around with free time. Um, so without a catalyst, it's, it's sometimes hard to really get going. Yeah. yeah, it's a forcing function, right? And if you don't have one already, then maybe create one. So as I was saying, never let a crisis go to waste, right? And that's usually a negative connotation uh, associated with that. But in this case, you know, um, a lot of the transformations, I, I can't assign a percentage to it, but it was the case for me, it was the case I think for Miriam and, and a lot of folks, there is a single event that kind of triggers the transformation, which has kind of a domino effect that has uh, you know, uh, a great uh, value on the organization over time, right? Mm -hmm. Coming from Capital One and their transformation, one of the visions that were painted were less around the success stories, but more around the companies that failed um, <laughs> and the ways in which uh, they overlooked the opportunities by which they had the opportunity to transform. Um, so there was a lot of pictures created um, and, and learning from history and others around what didn't go well in the decisions and then how does that then reflect back to the decisions we need to make. A lot around that is digital you know, transformation and the ways in which we need to transform. But you can take it this multiple directions, uh, uh, the negative side or the positive side, but it's all about uh, you know, really getting your workforce and having a clear union and mission to accomplish what you've just outlined. Right, and I think just having talent um, goes a long way towards having that agility, right? So there's many components to it, but if you, the more capable your people are and the more inventive and the more uh, you know, willing to take calculated risks, 
the, the more agile your organization, because your organization is made up of your people, right? And sometimes we, we, we forget that. Of course, the mechanisms within the company, the culture of the company, all these other things are important. Um, the bureaucracy is all important. But, you know, um, having higher caliber people, higher caliber people and having people who are willing to change and, and for themselves as well. They're willing to learn, they're willing to grow, they're willing to try things and perhaps fail. You know, so many people are so afraid of failure. Um, if you have an organization full of those people, you're never going to transform. I worry about saying things like that sometimes to our customers because um, they have who they have, right? True. Saying you, you need to have high caliber people, well then the next obvious question is where do I get them from? You know, what should I do? Right? Um, and I, um, it, it almost, uh, I worry that the message is going to sound a little bit depressing. Like if you don't have the high caliber people, you're stuck. Where I don't, I don't really think that's the truth. Um, and I know in, in my case, um, in the government, it's not so easy to hire people, it's not so easy to fire people, right? So basically, you're working with the people that you have, and then you have to figure out how you're gonna um, develop them and, and get the most out of them and give them satisfaction out of what you're doing, right? So how, how, do you, um, how, how do you send a message of hope, let's say, to customers who are challenged with that? Yeah, well, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up because I should clarify, I, in general, I think you have, every organization has the people they need in order to transform already. I strongly believe that. They just need to be given the tools and the opportunity and the motivation and the incentives to be that higher caliber person. So, you know, it's not so much changing people that is a pattern of success. In fact, I'd say that's an anti-pattern. Um, the organizations that successfully transform, for the most part, are the ones that invest in their existing folks, which improves morale. Uh, they incentivize them to take calculated risks and to make progress and to learn new things. Um, and they don't punish them for, for trying things and failing. Yeah, one thing I see a lot of customers underinvest in is the change management and communication elements of not only a transformation like you mentioned, but sometimes it's when you're in these downturns, it's, it's a little bit of weary of unknown around how's the company going to perform? What is it, how does it impact me and the work I do? And I think, Mark, as you described the vision in the two months of transforming, and really you got to work with the resources or the partners you have engaged through that, um, the lack of communication can sometimes put a lot of fear into the workforce or into the, into the organization. So I really encourage customers as they go through these periods of downturn to really amp up the level of communication and change management involved, especially through a digital transformation, because a lot of people are worried about their jobs. They're worried about how their skills will need to evolve. And the more you can communicate the intent and the purpose of what you're doing, but also paint the picture of what the future may be, it really gets people excited about what the future is. And that could even be in a place where they are going to maybe pull back. I, I see a lot of companies where they want to maybe increase IT development capacity, but drive efficiencies in operations. Uh, so the operators get worried around what does the future of the, this mean for me? I think businesses need to balance all sides of what they're trying to do through this, but communicating and being open and direct with them with plenty of lead time is, is definitely a, a pattern I've seen work well with transforming customers. Yeah, maybe what you just said answers what I was about to ask you, but um, I, I know I hear a lot about this frozen middle. You know, the, uh, there's middle management and they just won't change no matter what we do. I hear that from uh, you know, CIOs a lot. Um, and some of it probably has to do with the kind of communication you were talking about, but how, how do you answer that? How do you think about that? Well, I think there could be a frozen 
middle, there could be a frozen top and a frozen bottom, right? You know, I've seen all of those. But I think uh, to Chris's point, and I couldn't agree more, over communication, right? And I think you know we, we focus on certain kinds of communication, not on others, right? Just like we kind of focus on certain kinds of trust and not others, right? So I think ha people having trust in their leaders is super important. But trust is more than um, leaders having you know the best intentions for their people, right? And that's the kind of trust that we usually think. Do I trust that he's not going to fire me? Do I trust that he or she's going to you know? Um, you know, have my back and so forth. But also, there's the trust of competency. Do I trust that this person can can lead us? Can I do? Do I trust? You know, I trust that this person can keep the lights on. But I trust that this person can take us through the other side of this transformation because it takes a very different kind of leader to successfully do that, yeah. right? So having both of those kind of trust is important. And so when you're communicating, you communicate. You know what what career paths are going to look like for your team through this transformation. For example, right? Why we need to keep you know, if, if their plan is to keep everyone, communicate that certainly, and also communicate why. Why? You know, why are we why are we doing this transformation? Why do I want to keep uh, every one of you that's here? Um, um, might be I feel like we can um, reskill you to do a job that's probably more interesting than what you're doing today, right? The classic example being somebody's racking and stacking servers. They don't know why they're doing it. It's a you know they're marking down the days until their vacation and and so forth. Um, and then they get to become a cloud engineer, which is closer to the business. They're actually building things. They have a much more fulfilling job, and they have a career path that's leading somewhere, right, to uh, ha having more value in the marketplace and uh, more, more fulfilling job in general. So communicating those things and establishing that trust with your people, I think, goes a long way. Yeah. That need to build trust actually resonates with my experience where coming into the government, a lot of the employees that are there already have this sense of learned helplessness. You know, they, they, they know that they've been fighting the bureaucracy for so long. And, and then I come in and I'm like, uh, well, we're gonna start doing DevOps and being agile and moving really quickly. And they're thinking like, yeah, right. We've heard this one before, you know. We'll, uh, we'll still be here after you leave in frustration, right? So a lot of what I found I had to do is sell people on the fact that we actually could change, you know? And I had to figure out ways of doing that, you know, that uh, would convince them that I wasn't just another one of those people coming in with the, the fad of the day, you know, and, and I was gonna be uh, frustrated by it in no time. Yeah. One of the things I see in that, you can call them frozen middle, is they're really at the pinch point in the organization. Um, they're, they're getting pressure from above around not only the, the where they need to go in the future, but also from below, where there's a lot that's needed to just keep the lights on a lot of these organizations. So uh, they, while they may be willing to change, they also need some capacity and mindshare to change. Um, so I think one of the ways as you're going through this transformational period is one, recognize the challenge uh, for that middle management um, uh, portion of it, but also think through um, where do you need to make more investments in either more capacity or make trade-offs around prioritizing the things that maybe are most critical? And, and, and when I think, when I see organizations being willing to make the hard calls, it really empowers that middle uh, management to not only communicate the right messaging to the teams, but also to balance uh, having one reasonable work-life balance uh, in this regard, uh, but also a very clear view of where they're going and that they can incentivize and excite the organization. So I think they just
just get really pinched in the organization, at least that's been my experience, um, without a lot of appreciation for having to balance transforming and running all at the same time. So recognizing that, communicating that, and then obviously uh, delivering upon it, like you just talked about, which is it's not just a mouthpiece coming in, you're actually seeing the change, and that comes to the agile elements that you've called out. It doesn't have to be a big bang. We, we rarely see the big bang work well and as we engage with customers, um, but recognizing and celebrating the wins you do have in an iterative way goes a long way towards um, the cultural change needed inside of companies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of the um, academic work on cultural change says that culture forms around patterns of success. When people see what makes them successful in an organization, that becomes the culture. And so as you're transforming, as you're changing things, people are seeing new ways to be even more successful, and that becomes the new culture. And uh, in a way, the culture change is sort of an effect of doing things in a new way, a new way that, that's gonna make people more successful. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a catch-22 for, for a lot of organizations, and you gotta kind of um, jumpstart the engine somehow, right? You know, and kind of bootstrap it. Right, and so the way I, I like to advocate doing that is, um, you know, starting small. Think big, but start small. Right. So uh, I've, what I've noticed is in uh, transformations, there's momentum and there's inertia. Right, and it work for you or against you. If if, if uh, transformation is stalled, it's kind of like Newton's law. You know, it's going to stay stalled unless there's some external force that does something. But on the other hand, if there's momentum going forward, it tends to kind of keep pushing forward unless something kind of stops it. So, you know, one trick in, in getting transformations over the finish line is to get that momentum going forward. And the way you get that momentum going forward is you don't pick the hardest, most difficult, highest risk thing to start with. You, you find some small, easy wins and you over-communicate them, you over-celebrate them. You make sure everybody knows that we have these wins and you try to string as many of those together and then people start jumping on the bandwagon and then you can kind of create this uh, virtuous cycle that in the fullness of time will get you over the finish line. Yeah, yeah, and the cloud and DevOps and these digital techniques are great for getting quick results, quick incremental results, and letting people see successes constantly. Uh, and that builds this sort of flywheel of trust and new patterns of success and cultural change. We hope you're enjoying this discussion. To join the conversation and engage with other business leaders on these topics, follow us on LinkedIn at AWS Executive Connection. As I hear both of you talk, I, I was thinking of what many customers may be going through is kind of this transformation around the workplace, um, especially those new to the uh, environment, maybe through either universities or just starting out. How do you observe the behaviors that are really people getting recognized for in a virtual way? I know some companies I've been meeting with are getting a little bit more back in the office, but with much looser requirements. So I think there's a unique dynamic that's happened in the last few years around the virtual nature of work, but how do you then recognize what's valued in the organization? What are people being recognized for? But also, especially those new to the workforce, um, how do you get that confidence and excitement? And, and one of the thoughts I have, as I heard both of you talking, community building inside of companies is really important. Like, but also community building outside of it, and I know we see it within AWS, but, but also there are other um, areas in which you can build communities, is how do you learn from others? How do you reuse information in a way that you're learning from best practices? How do you collaborate in a way, in new ways as well? So I'd be interested as I hear, hear both of you talk, what are some things that maybe you've seen work well personally or with customers around ways you can model the right behavior around driving transformation? 
um, especially around you know, recognition. I, a lot of customers I meet with will look to who's been promoted and who hasn't been as an indicator to what did they do to get promoted and how is it a tenure-based company? Is it a results-based company? But I, I just know in talking, I've been mentoring a few people recently, um, and it's a struggle for people, especially er early in their career, to recognize those patterns. I don't know if you all have seen anything maybe as companies are transforming that have worked well, especially in the last few years. Mm. Well, in my, in my case in the government, I was in a very structured environment. So, you know, there was a process for promotions and a process for everything else. So a lot of the tools that you might use in the private sector, we didn't really have available. Um, but what I found is um, uh, if you make, make it very clear as a leader what you're looking for, um, clear, simple, repeated message, then eventually people start to figure out how to, how to make you happy. You know, uh, like they start thinking, I'm gonna go to the boss and tell him that I was able to speed up the procurement process, you know, or something, and they know I'm gonna be overjoyed and they're gonna get a really good feeling of satisfaction from that. You know, it's a, the clarity itself and the fact that I had committed myself to it um, I think was a big factor for, for them in, in being motivated to do the things I was looking for. So that's a great point. I also think it's important to realize that different um, incentives work on different types of people, right? So there's, there's not typically a one-size-fits-all incentive structure that will work, right, for an organization. For example, I mean, there's many different categories, and of course there's individuals, um, but I would say like high performers uh, tend to respond well, for example, to recognition. Right? They do a great job, they consistently do a great job, they invent new things, uh, they take calculated risks, and you know, recognition is important to them. Um, whereas you know, maybe the lower performers, or people newer uh, in a role, less senior in a role, um, their motivation might be you know, that they want to know like, that they, there's a degree of safety, a safety net for them to learn new things because they're not quite as confident, right? So I think kind of keeping that in mind and also tailoring kind of your incentives to the individuals can, can do uh, a great deal of good towards uh, you know, getting people you know, and getting the culture where it needs to be. Yeah. I'm incentivized by good food, especially unhealthy good food, <laughs> just, just so you guys know. We've been out to dinner with you, we know that. Oh. So, uh, but, uh, oh. but one thing, Jake, as you were sharing, uh, one thing I see with many customers, especially I've met with a lot of organizations who've acquired customers maybe in the last several years, uh, acquired companies, um, is they're all different configurations of cloud hosting arrangements. And when you ask them the question, what's your, kind of your cloud strategy going forward? I know we get the answers. It, it's a wide range of full clarity to we have no idea and it's never been discussed. Um, I'd be interested as we think about you know, companies making investments during downtimes, specifically as you think about cloud strategy and the role that plays in transformation, I don't know if you've seen anything uh, as you've engaged with customers around how do you get alignment or maybe encourage alignment inside of an organization when they don't have any cloud strategy whatsoever. I know we meet with a lot of customers and guide these conversations, but I think um, if I were a customer having clarity and the ability to communicate that to your organization, whatever it may be, it, it's really, really important to have that clarity because without it, I just see a lot of infighting inside of organizations at times where one division is getting blocked, uh, especially by, in this case, AWS, where another is fully all in and it's in the same organization. Um, so that clarity around what are the rules of the road could go really well back to incentivizing the right behaviors and outcomes you want. I don't know if you all have seen any patterns or anti-patterns within organizations around clarity around cloud strategy in light of 
um, in potentially in these downturns uh, that we're in? Well, I think um, strategy can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, right? But I think, you know, the, the way I think about it is there's vision, right? Which I think has to come from the top typically, right? There has to be a vision. And it's not going to be the vision is we're in the cloud, right? Yeah, that's, that's, right. That's, a, that's a way to get what you're act to your vision. But your vision could be whatever for your particular business is. You know, for like a live entertainment company, it would be to make our fans happier and have a better, you know, experience, right? For a retail company, it could be, you know, um, that price selection availability, uh, for example, right? For, for, so we want, those what we want to achieve, right? That's our strategic goal. How do we get there? Um, some people, when they say cloud strategy, they mean the tactics, you know, like the day-to-day, -day, how are we going to migrate systems yeah. to the cloud? Right. How are we going to do that sort of thing, right? So I think it's important to know what we're talking about, but I think, you know, both those things are important. So knowing, you know, where you want to be is important, being able to communicate that and convince people, and this is a leadership uh, thing, right? To, for a top leadership to be able to convince the rest of the organization to see their vision and to agree with their vision, and then have confidence in them that they can execute on that vision. And part of instilling that confidence is being willing to kind of change course when you need to, and being willing to delegate to people and give autonomy and freedom to people and allow them to experiment. Um, so kind of be flexible on the, on the details, but stubborn on the vision. Yeah. I think a, a lot of companies got used to the idea that for IT to create some sort of business value, it takes years. You know, if you're going to do a project, you got to plan for years and years before there's some sort of business return. Um, and we're now in a world where there can be a really fast business return from IT change. You can get things done that are tremendously impactful in the short term. And so the first question is like, what's the strategic imperative now for the business? What's the most important thing to the business right now? Let's start working on, working on it right now. Yeah. You know, so you're, you're sort of balancing um, business strategic elements with capability building elements, like we were talking about before agility. You need to build agility, you need to build speed, you, you might need to build uh, lean, I guess, take away things to create leanness. Um, so you've got those things that are sort of capability building going on in the background, but you also should be building against like very immediate business goals right. as well. Uh, and that's a big change for people to realize they can do that. Yeah, work on things that are going to create value, right? I mean, you've yep. got a lot of different, most organizations, you're not going to say, I have too much time and not enough to do. It's usually the opposite, right? <laughs> you know, so you need to prioritize. What better way to prioritize than the things that will deliver value quickly? Mm-hmm. I think that was a stereotype of the government. You know, too much time, not enough things to do. It, it turns out that's not the case at all. Yeah, one thing I've seen work really well with companies um, is kind of building out the technical skills for the non-technical workforce. Mm -hmm. uh, so one, uh, I know through my transformation that I went through, one of the big benefits came from the entire organization's level, IQ and, uh, and EQ around technology and the right perception, but also how can change the way you work um, and how do you deliver upon the business strategy and the desired outcomes. It starts like it's an exponential effect inside of organizations who raise the bar on technical skills for the non-technical workforce yeah. on, on top of what you need to do for your IT and, and, and your technology department. So really encourage customers. Um, uh, training and education could be a big area of focus, especially as you go through these downturns, where you can um, spend the time to make the investments necessary to increase the skills. Um, and really not just take eyes on IT only, thinking of the non-IT uh, organization as well is something I've worked really well with other customers. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a, this thing going on where you know, the stereotype was IT people are these geeky people who don't know how to speak 
business talk or real talk. And uh, the geeks are going to have to learn to speak like the business. And, and now there's this little bit of a flip. Now that everything is digital and businesses are all about digital, there's a, a little element of, well, everybody in the business is going to have to learn to speak technology a little bit also. You know? Yeah. I think that's true. Um, I think even more than that, perhaps, is to raise the bar on their expectations. You know, you could have a whole IT department that transforms. That could be an island, right? And they may have all these new great capabilities, and the business doesn't see any benefit, right? It's because the business is still expecting the same thing from IT. Mm -hmm. So there's a bit of education that has to go on to the rest of the organization. And it's not necessarily, I mean, it's good for them to have cloud fluency and all of that, but it's really just kind of a recalibration on what do you expect from IT. Yeah. You know, because it's kind of foreign to a lot of uh, non-IT people or a lot of business people to say, I have an idea, I want to try it, and let's try it today. And if it doesn't work, then we just forget about it, right? That's a, um, but, but doing those kinds of things and lowering the cost of failure to where you can experiment many, many times, more times than you can count, is how you innovate. Yeah. If you're a, a non-IT business leader and you ask your CIO for, for some important capability that you need today, and the CIO says, well, first I'm going to need your requirements. You know, let's 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 write down all the requirements and don't change them later. And then it's going to take us three years to deliver. Uh, you shouldn't accept that anymore from a CIO, right? The IT organization should be held to a high standard of delivering quickly, delivering incrementally, creating rather than uh, getting getting all wrapped up in in paper. Yeah, and in fact, the more you expect from them, and sometimes the less. Uh, reasonable as expectations are, the more quickly that organization can grow and actually innovate, right? So, yeah. you know, someone once said, you know, if you find yourself trapped in a box, you're forced to invent your way out of it. That's so true, right? So creating constraints, um, you know, and, and unrealistic expectations sometimes does lead to innovation and greater capabilities. Yeah, as long as everybody supports the IT right. organization in doing that, right? You can't hand them an impossible problem and say, oh, too bad. So it's on you. <laughs> Yeah, one of the areas of companies I've seen ha that's had to transform is kind of the establishment or the evolution of the product role uh, or product manager role, especially in large enterprises. Many customers I meet with don't have that function or it doesn't exist. They may have a business function, they may have an IT function, but really thinking through the right elements of what makes up uh, you know, a highly agile team, but also really effective, is really the transformation the business needs to do around product management um, and the importance of the role they play in giving the right direction, backlog management, management um, and strategic vision to enabling the IT capabilities. That comes up a lot with customers that I meet with as well. So the formula, I guess, is to motivate, have a clear vision from, from the top, empower IT um, with tools and, and the people with tools and training and uh, the ability to take risks, and then give them a, a, a stretch goal, expect more from them. Yeah, I would, I would add a few things to that. There is um, engage everybody, right? It, it can't just be somebody at the top pushing a transformation. You've got to actually get middle management and everybody else engaged in some way. Um, and then put everybody on the same side. There, you know, in the past there's been this like business IT split kind of thing and us versus them. And that really doesn't work if you want to move quickly and, and in an innovative way. It's, um, it, I don't like to use the word alignment because that sort of implies that things are out of alignment and you have to bring them back into alignment. But um, there's something like co-creation or aligned creation or something that you're looking for. Synergy. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Conversations with Leaders, brought to you by AWS Executive Insights. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us spread the word and subscribe, share, rate, and review. Visit aws.amazon.com slash executive insights for more on these topics.